Hey guys, it is time for another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I am Josh Horowitz. It's 2016. Welcome to the future. We've made it. <laughs> uh, that's Sammy. I'm Josh. Uh, it, truth be told, it's not even close to 2016 as I tape this. We're we're backing a little introduction to this week's podcast before the holidays. So I think I, I mean I assume we all made it. Congratulations to all of us if How we if we're hearing this. Dark would that be? <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys believe the, the apocalypse that happened? And yeah. kudos to you for finding this podcast amid the uh, the apocalypse. You, sometimes you just need to stay normal yeah. when crazy things yeah. happen. This is, I'm glad to give you a little bit of normality yeah. in the dark times. Yeah, someone the cannibals <laughs> come closer. Watch your back, guys. Yeah. Um, this week's show is with the very talented, the lovely uh, Natalie Dormer. You know her from Game of Thrones. She is uh, also, of course, she was in the last two Mockingjay films, the last two Hunger Games films, and she's now starring in her very own film alongside Taylor Kinney. Right, that right, Taylor? Yes, yes Mr. Ta- Lady Gaga. Mr. Gaga to you. Um, <laughs> uh, slightly uh, attractive guy, I've been told. Um, and it's I a, get it. I get it, whatever. <laughs> uh, the Forest is a uh, super duper creepy horror movie opening this Friday in which Natalie plays not one, but two characters. She plays her own twin in this one. So, Are they both American or is one British? They're is both... this really the Parent Trap? <laughs> yes, it's the Parent Trap. <laughs> yeah. Parent Trap horror version. Um, no, they're both American. One has brown hair to differentiate. Um, oh. It is, uh, yeah, it's a really, it's, it's, I guess there's like an actual forest in Japan where this is a really, this is a really dark way to start out this conversation where uh, people go to commit suicide, basically. <laughs> Super fun. Soup's fun. And um, she, she goes in search, the main character goes in search no, of her missing twin. it's about the suicide forest. Suicide. Why did yeah. you just say Working that? Working title was The Adventures of Suicide Forest. <laughs> <laughs> but I, apparently they focus grouped it. Yeah. Didn't play. So now known as The Forest, it opens mm-hmm. this Friday. Uh, huge opportunity for Natalie getting to headline her own film. She is indeed the lead character in this. So we talk a lot about that and um, her journey through acting. She, uh, she Her big break was uh, a film opposite Heath Ledger called Casanova years ago. R.I.P. But I loved that movie. Did you? Okay, nice. I can't believe she was in that. Yeah, Gotta she, go rewatch it. There you go. And then oh, she, of course, bounced around some television, The Tudors. And, of course, Game of Thrones was a game changer for her. So... Uh, yet another uh, opportunity for me to reveal my ignorance about Game of Thrones with somebody. You honestly should be humiliated. I, well, I am. Just not generally about Game of Thrones. It's no, just other it's, factors. I'm just saying at this point in your career, in your life, and especially all the people you talk to from this show, the fact that you're so ignorant about... You're ignorant. I'm ignorant <laughs> about great many things. Um, well, Natalie and I, I will say, if you listen to the podcast, you'll realize that we have made a blood pact, a blood oath to each other now, that when next we meet, um, uh, I think she has a movie coming out next September, we promised each other, I will watch all of Game of Thrones and she will watch all of The Sopranos, which she has never watched, and we'll compare notes. Not that I was in The Sopranos, but... <laughs> <laughs> There's a slight difference in, you know, connection to the project, but I'm not, we're not going to touch on inside. Um, what else worth noting? It's worth noting that, you know, um, it's always fun to look at January movie releases for me. I was just talking to Sammy right before we started this to look at like what's coming out this month, because generally speaking, this is not when the best movies come out, aside from The Forest, which obviously is an exceptional <laughs> piece of forest, work. Yeah. Um, but coming out... It's always an exception. <laughs> coming out this month, um, you Ride Along fans, Ride Along 2 is continues the epic journey Been of, the, of those two one. characters. We've got uh, Dirty Grandpa with um, Robert De Niro and Zac Efron. Stop it. When I, you said that right before, I was thinking Bad Grandpa, no. too. That's actually what I'll see because 
Bobby De Niro takes his shirt off. So yeah, I've seen this one, and I'm not going to say any more because it's too good. Yep, it's like you that's, have. I'm not going to say anything. Excited. I'm just not going to say anything. You guys should see his face. Um, Kung Fu. Ooh, that's a weird one. Kung Fu Panda Three opens this month. We're going to make a boatload of money for that one. Oh, but <laughs> <laughs> um, the finest hours. Chris Pine does his Coast Guardy uh, heroic best. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, for the Bravo fans out there, Chris Pine is dating Vale from Vanderpump Rules yeah, last season. So half of those words meant nothing to me. I know. That's why for the listeners. <laughs> Who care? There's a big cross-section of Bravo viewers and Happy Sad Confused listeners. I, there probably is, and you're not hitting on it. I'm so sorry. That's it's a I'm wasted here. opportunity. I'm just excited because February brings Zoolander 2, so all will be right in the universe. I hope so. Right? I hope so. Oh, my gosh. I, I really hope it's great. I mean, come on. It has to be, right? Mugatu's back. Will Ferrell. All the key players are right, back. Right, because usually the sequels to really funny movies are so good. I trust in Ben Stiller. I mean, I, yeah, Tropic Thunder is one of my favorite comedies in the last decade. Obviously. Zoolander as well. So, um, And Kristen Wiig's in this one looking insane. So I think it'll be really fun. Um, Bieber. That's right. Bieber's in it. Benedict Cumberbatch. Controversy around Con- that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> That's our that controversial one. voice. Yeah. Uh, I promise I do not make that sound in the course of this next conversation with Natalie Dormer. I'm way too classy. I save that for the introductions. Um, and <laughs> do you talk to her in a British accent? Yes. <laughs> Hello, Natalie. <laughs> Welcome to my way podcast. And then I, then you see, then there are like five minutes of me chasing after her to bring her back into the room when she tries to run away. <laughs> but crying. then, but then once she gets back in the seat, it's She's a great like, conversation. Take me back to the suicide forest. <laughs> That's right. This whole conversation is kind of my own suicide forest. Mm. Um, enjoy. Can't wait. <laughs> it's much more entertaining than that, I promise you. Uh, enjoy this first conversation of 2016's edition go. of Happy Sad Confused. Sorry about the apocalypse, guys. <laughs> but keep, hey. Keep on soldiering on. You won't hear from us next week because we'll be dead. <laughs> no, we're all going to make it. We're in this together. You uh, know that. Enjoy this conversation with Natalie Dormer. good to see you. Hi. Um, I think the last time I saw you, we spoke. Mm. Um, we were doing shots on the red carpet for Mockingjay Part yes, 2. Yes, that's right. That is the last time we saw each other. That's only a few weeks ago. I know. Have you recovered from that one shot three weeks ago? <laughs> God, it feels like a lifetime ago. I'm obviously a busy person. <laughs> you clearly are. you got a lot going on. This is mm. a good thing. Um, that was a, a crazy press tour. We're going to talk about the farce, but I want just like reflecting on getting through that gauntlet. Did it feel like a massive bit of insanity to get through Mockingjay. And- yeah, it's always wonderful, the circus that is the Hunger Games. But um, uh, yeah, it's it, it's been a bit weird these last few de- days to reprogram my brain to start talking about the forest. Right. And I, I would guess a relief in, in some way. Well, I mean, that kind of press store maybe is a relief in that you're sharing the load, the load. Bit, with like a ginormous cast. And this, this is... This I mean, is the other end of the spectrum. This is kind of mostly on you. Taylor is obviously your co-star, but this is your your baby. It's an exciting, I would think it's an exciting moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's really exciting. I had such fun shooting it. It's great 
um, to be like really in the thick of it and bonding with your crew because you're there day in, day out, every single hour that God sends. So uh, I had a lot of fun shooting this movie and not just one role, but two. <laughs> yeah. Like how many how many jobs do you get to be number one and number two on the call sheet? Did, so. you, <laughs> did you get to decide on the uh, what would differentiate number one and number two in terms of like hair color, obviously, is one yeah, major yeah. point. Is there any other differentiating mark that you wanted to give? Yeah, we had some fun. The, the costume designer and I had some real fun and the wardrobe and the look and the, you know, just separating the twins and giving them their own identity. Is that confusing? Like, are there days where you were playing both roles? It's funny because, um, you know, there were days when I was playing both roles, but there would be like the two-hour hair and makeup uh, separation so I could sort of reprogram my brain. Right. There was only, um, but there was one day when I was shooting at the beginning of the movie, there's a, a dialogue scene where the two women are talking to each other. Yeah. That was a bit of a surreal day. It, it, when, uh, it when screws you, up your brain a little bit. Yeah, when you haven't got anything, someone directly in front of you to, uh, you know, respond off of. It's just, right. you, you go schizophrenic. I've got a lot of respect for Tom Hardy. I was going to say. And uh, Legend now, because he did a whole movie of it. He's so. a masochist, though. He, he like, gets off on just trying to, like, destroy himself. Apparently, clearly. from what my, my little experience of uh, talking <laughs> to myself in a scene, he really is a masochist. So talk to me. I, I'm always curious. We were, we were joking about, like, yeah, I think this past weekend you were junketing the greatest part of the job. Yeah. Um, is, is that... Is that um, mind-numbing is that uh, what was the kind of like questions you were getting frequently well it's interesting that? because after talking for two years about the hunger games and just having done that recently um when you start being asked about another project you actually genuinely have organic you know you complete, completely organic spontaneous <laughs> like a, like a conversation call, like a conversation <laughs> i know because you you i genuinely be thinking about it on the spot right. and uh to me, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying promoting The Forest because I hope it ha it's, it's a thrill ride for like people who love the genre ordinarily. Yeah. It's got the jumps and the scares. But it's also a, a, a thoughtful piece. It's kind of a, a thinking person's horror movie as well. It has this psychological element that hopefully um, targets a slightly different audience that will enjoy it as sure. well. Strangest uh, interview or question of this press tour thus far? Strangest? Well, you know, I'm just being asked a lot about... Um, what my uh, what my opinions are on like paranormal, supernatural, um, ex you know, events. Get rid and of that card, sorry. <laughs> I'm just like I, I'm. Yeah, You're an I, expert I, now. I wish I had. I, I wish I had a ghost story for when I was 13, and you know, I was right. like in a some kind of old English house in the countryside somewhere. But I, it would have made all these interviews so much more uh, colourful. But I, I'm afraid I don't. Are you not the type to create a? anecdote just for a talk show or a fun thing. I've talked to actors that have done that. Oh, really? Made up stories? Yeah. Or saved stories. I've had this where, like, I've talked to an actor that's come in here, and they started to tell me a story, and they're like, oh, wait, no, I have to save that for when I go on a late night show. No, no. I swear to God. No, I'm so, so maybe I'm still, like, very, like, a newbie in, in the right. big scheme of the industry. I haven't... You're not I holding back your, I haven't a, reached your those material. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we talked about the, this being like an important, uh, you know, step for you. I would think, I mean, is this is this your first lead in a film of the size being released in, in this wide scale? Would you say? Yeah, it is. It's my first. I've been the lead on stage and I've been the lead in television a couple of times. Right. But this is my first bona fide uh, feature lead. Yes. Do you feel happy in some ways that it came now? Or I mean, could you have carried that load 
10 years ago, eight years ago, seven, whatever. I mean, I'd I mean, have carried the load, but I wouldn't have been as um, philosophical and uh, understand the mechanics of the industry as well as I do now. Right. So I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of grateful that um, I'm fully informed now when I get to this, this right. point. Well, what, I mean, what are some of kind of like, you know, being number one and number two on the call sheet? I, you know, I often find that I talk to actors about sort of like, that person who is at the top of the call sheet kind of dictates sort of the tone of a film mm. and tone of a set. Mm. Um, is that something that you've kind of picked up on over the years and something you wanted to kind of like be sure that you acted in a certain way or carried yourself in a certain way when you finally had this kind of opportunity? Yeah, I mean, the, the point is really, like I said, you just, you get to know everyone. You know every single member of crew because in between takes and setups, you know, you're talking to everyone. So you know everyone's kids' names and right. you have the time to spend with them and um, it really feels, feels like a, a team experience. And, you know, you're one of the team leaders um, when, when you're leading a project. And, you know, when you're standing in a freezing cold forest at 3 a.m. being bitten to shreds by mosquitoes <laughs> and rolling around in mud um, with some spiders and worms down your underwear, right. um, you need that camaraderie. And <laughs> you, you need a wow. You need something. <laughs> you, need, you need to feel that bond with your, your yeah. makeshift family for a while. So where did you guys shoot this? Because it does feel like you're... You, you you went to some remote places for this clearly. Yeah, we really did. We uh we were we literally lost connectivity like Sarah does in the film. Uh, we were in Japan for a week. We went to Tokyo to do all our external shots of right. um you know the beautiful city and everything. And then we we did some nice train shots and everything going up into the countryside. I visited the real Okagahara forest, but we couldn't shoot there, so we shot in Serbia on the Serbian Bosnian border, gotcha. high up in the mountains in a national park, which was stunningly beautiful, but like you say it was the middle of nowhere. So are you okay with like losing service and co connectivity to the outside world? Or would yeah, it's that? a bit traumatic when you, when your email, when you can't get your email. Yeah. But, um, in a way it's also liberating. And I was, I, I, anyone who watches the film will see, I was a little bit busy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't so, just spending time in your trailer being no, like, tell me when you need me. Exactly. I wasn't sitting in my trailer, like bitching about not being right. able to like, you know, like Google. Um, <laughs> I, I had other stuff on my mind. And, and uh, I would think one of the great byproducts of a film like this is you're now only one degree away from Lady Gaga. This is an important thing, an <laughs> aspiration for any actor in your life. I mean, Taylor, Taylor is, a, is obviously a great presence in the film. Was it mm. fun to sort of, had, I assume you hadn't met him before this? I hadn't actually, yeah. and it was an absolute joy to work with Taylor. He plays the role of Aiden uh, so well. He, he walks this line of ambiguity and you're like, do I trust this guy? Do right. I not trust this guy? The audience kind of share... Sarah's, um, she's dealing with what's real and what's unreal, what's in her head and what's, you know, what's actually tangibly there. Sure. And so he, Taylor plays this line really well of, he seems so smooth, he seems so charming, he's too good to be true, and you right. can't work out if he's dangerous or not. Right. We're talking about the character. Of, of Taylor, right? <laughs> right. So have you, have you been doing, like, basically, have you had to do American accents from the very beginning of your career? Like, when yeah, I mean, start? most British actors are, you know, that, you know, because there's so many projects, there are so many American projects with the opportunity to be a part of them. So, yeah, yeah you, you pick up that, you'd be an idiot not to pick up that skill pretty quick. Right. If you, did, if you lack that skill, that's going to narrow your choices it your is. options quite yeah. a bit so what were uh, what was the first what was the first kind of gig where you had to assume an accent and were you able to kind of assume that pretty easily 
Uh, so the first time I did an American accent was for a movie that actually never came out called okay. Fence Walker. It was a Chris Carter project that I did directly after the Tudors. Oh, cool. So that's like a that's like a um, that's that's a while ago now. Are you good with accents? Can you like differentiate the myriad of crazy American accents um, and that kind of thing? Well, I can I can increasingly hear it. I think the more time you spend doing it, the better your ear gets. I don't have a natural... Um, some, some actors have an incredible gift for yeah. accents. It's just part of their innate skill set. I have to really work hard at it. So, I mean, I've played a Russian before. I've played American. I've done New York, done Californian. I've done generic American. <laughs> <laughs> was it like thick New York? Was it like, was it like hardcore? Yeah, like- it was like Hell's Kitchen in the 70s. I did the play that was set in Hell's Kitchen in the 70s about four or five years ago. So um, that's hard learning to drop the R's in the, in the different places when right. you spent so time, you know, when you spent so much time doing another accent yeah. but I, I mean you have a whole host of accents in this country it's a lot of fun to give them a go I've never done a southern I'd like to try and give that a go at some point it's, so it's interesting because yeah like you mentioned like like, like I had Mark Strong did the podcast recently and he's oh, on stage right you now from the bridge have you seen that oh production? what an extraordinary right? play I haven't seen that production oh, but it's an amazing it. play and this one is interesting in that it's very stripped down but also and that even goes to the accents like apparently in London they were doing like kind of a thicker kind of New York accent and they've lessened it I think partially because you know you don't want to be judged by the New York audience on that kind of level Mm -hmm. so it's just it's just a funny kind of debate I guess actors always have Um, okay so let's let's go let's go back a little ways okay in in reading about you you can never believe anything on the internet but let me ask you something (laughs) okay so you were you were vice captain of something called the netball team yeah you guys don't have netball in this country so it's like basketball only you can't move with the ball as soon as you've got the ball you can only pivot round on this whatever foot you land on it has to remain grounded seems like a lazier version of basketball it it kind of is and you don't have to be at all, you know, uh, but you, we, it's the same setup of uh, the net uh, at either end, and just by passing or bounce passing is how you get it from one end to the other. Were you annoyed that you were only vice captain and you weren't solely didn't have the whole captain <laughs> thing on your own? What happened? Uh, I was, I w- whenever Allison was ill, I was captain, <laughs> so you know. I, I never reached the uh, lengths of poisoning her or anything or tripping her up, but you know, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder right, for I a while. See, I can tell it's not quite gone. <laughs> <laughs> and what is a head girl? Head girl denotes what? Oh, uh, that would be like uh, your 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 class president. Okay, or like that. That would that kind of Victoria, yeah, yeah, it okay. would be your 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 student that is like head of your prefects. Is, sure, uh, whatever student you guys, body president, yeah, or whatever you like call that. them. Yeah. So sounds like you were. You were you were a good student. Yeah, I was like very much like Sarah in the in my movie The Forest. I was kind of like a, a little bit of an annoying overachiever. I obviously had some issues that I needed to work through. <laughs> have you mellowed? Are you? I totally have. Now I'm more like Jess. I'm now I'm more like the other sister. <laughs> I've let it all go. All the angst is gone now. I'm just kind of like riding the wave. Is that just from like? Going through the industry for a that's decade. From growing, that's happens. from yeah, and from growing up. Learning how annoying I once was. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's interesting. I mean, looking at your career, for those that don't know, I think the feature film debut was uh, uh, Casanova, mm-hmm. uh, Lassie Hallstrom, if yeah, I that's it right, correct. Heath yeah. Ledger, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, which would seem to be. I mean, it's kind of fascinating to read about because, like, it would seem to be like, okay, that's. Uh, apparently, like Lassie, like expanded your role. Like you mm. were, you know, you obviously popped off the screen in that one, and yet there was that didn't kind of lead to an immediate 
slew of other things. No, what I happened? mean, it was weird. It got me a three-picture deal with De- with Disney, but it was never exercised. I don't even so, know that happened anymore, that they do, like, yeah, studio it's kind of, deals. Yeah, it sounds like the old school, yeah. like, star system, doesn't it? <laughs> studio system. Um, but no, it did happen to me. And uh, it was one of the greatest lessons I ever learned because um, it was, I, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, it was bad representation at the time. Yeah. And um, opportunities were missed that shouldn't have been. But um, I found myself uh, unemployed as an actor for, like, nine, ten months. So I had to go back and temp in an office and do, like, cold calling jobs. And, and like, my, my, you know, my heart sank. Yeah, and I was... I can't imagine. I mean, yeah. like, you're, you think it was really dispiriting. Yeah. I remember making Christmas cards that year because I couldn't afford to buy my friends Christmas cards. So I, I think really nice and early in my career, it taught me never to take anything for granted. Yeah. Never think you're home and dry because, you know, it's a capricious industry and, uh, you know, anything could happen. What are your memories of working with with someone who's obviously such a special talent like Heath? What do you? What was oh, your impression Heath, of him? Heath was an incredible personality. He was just uh, he was the nicest, most grounded guy. Did you ever interview? I did. Him? I did. Our, our, our sadly our last interview with him here when it was for I'm Not There, and right. he was so sweet. He was yeah. Yeah, and he's yeah. one of those dudes that was just really. Uh, unpretentiously good at everything. Yeah. You know, he could pay, play chess and he had, uh, you know, an encyclopedic knowledge of music and he surfed and he like, you know, he, like, he was good at everything. Yeah. And um, but he had such an ease and a charm with it. He he's a great loss to the industry. You, you go through this this down period afterwards. Um, and is it is it? I mean, what's the what's the point where you felt some comfort? Was it was it until tutors that you felt like you're still kind of finding your way? Or was tutors the turning point for you? Or? No, I think uh, in in being able to breathe for five minutes and uh, you know the freelance nature of our job as actors. It was Game of Thrones that really gave me um, all of us actually as a and it happened incrementally, slowly, year on year, the exposure and the, the hype for the show just got bigger and bigger. Yeah. But so it's sl- we slowly got used to the fact that the show meant so much to people. Right. And um, doors started to open for all of us because of the profile of the show. So um, it didn't just happen to me. Right. As, a, as a family, we kind of held each other's hands and... Um, you know, have this heightened experience. And now it's wonderful watching everyone go off and, you know, have uh, have um, all these exciting new projects that they're doing and the other six months of the year. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's also crazy to see, like, I mean, you can clearly see, you know, um, how Hollywood, quote unquote, minds work or casting directors' minds work, where you see, like, all these other franchises kind of grabbing you guys, you know, mm. whether it's X-Men or Star Wars or Hunger Games. It's like you mm. guys have just kind of, like, fanned out mm. uh, across the industry. Hey guys, time for a quick message from our friends over at Mac Weldon, one of the sponsors of this week's Happy, Sad, Confused. This is all about two topics that, generally speaking, I don't like dealing with, clothing and shopping. Why does shopping have to be such a painful process? Why is it so tough to find comfortable and fashionable items? That's where a company like Mac Weldon comes in. This company, Mack Weldon, believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. It sounds simple, right? Those are three things that every company should do. Well, that's what Mack Weldon believes in. All of their products, by the way, are naturally antimicrobial. That means that they eliminate odors. That is a big deal, guys. Remember, Mack Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look great— 
every day, but they also they perform well, too. It, they're good for, you know, whether it's working out or going to work or going out on a date, just everyday life. That's what's so special about this clothing is that they function in many different ways. It's not just for one occasion. It's for all occasions. So remember, go to MacWeldon.com and get 20 percent off using the promo code happy. Um, for those that have listened to the podcast or have seen my work, this will not come as a surprise. I don't want to disappoint you. I've never, I've never watched Game of Thrones. Oh, that's fantastic. Is that a good thing? How <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Isn't that weird? Do you know what? I've got a confession too. I never did The Sopranos. Real. That's, that's, that's pretty good too. Yeah. I never did The Sopranos. I'm completely removed from that cultural <laughs> Everybody's phenomenon. Everybody's got gaps. But it's, you, you know, it's TV history. It's defining TV history. You and right. I, next time we get sick, we've both got some catching up This is what do. I say. I'm going to break a leg one day and I'll be fine. And then you're going to watch then Game I'm gonna, of Thrones. I have this treat waiting for me. Yeah. So, um, because it must, it must be like a, a double-edged sword for you and that you're so proud of this. This has kind of, you know, changed your life. Mm. And yet I'm sure there's not a day that goes by that you're not inundated and it, it just, it, with questions and whatever, does it ever feel like a weight that you wish kind of could go away for a period of time? No, but I know it's transient. I know it's going to, I know it's going to pass, you right. know? So I'm just, I'm very grateful because I'm just aware that it's a chapter in my life right. and it's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, those yeah. nine months of unemployment, right. you know, <laughs> have, gra- have grounded yeah. me and given me some perspective. So, you know. So, so now that you know, I don't know anything about Game of Thrones. Here's the one question that my folks told me I should ask you. I'm going to try and make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, because I totally miss your character facing off with Cersei. Mm. Uh, and I, I hope we're going to see more of that now that you both are out of the slammer. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Would you, would you, what would you say to that? I would say Marjorie's not out of the slammer. Mar- and you play Marjorie. Yeah, Marjorie's... <laughs> keep going, keep going. You're doing fine. <laughs> I'm the worst, I'm the worst. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm still incarcerated. Marjorie's still incarcerated. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know it's tough. <laughs> so they it's give be- you a lot of room it's in the cell. It's better than running around a, a forest. I be- suppose being bitten to shreds by mosquitoes. Are you able to decorate your surroundings and make it homey at least? I, uh, it's 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 pretty depressing <laughs> in, in in that little room. Yeah, it is. But she's a wily one, is Marjorie Terrell. She's doing her best to try and get out of there. I noticed in my in my research about Game of Thrones that the character names are clearly a mouthful. Mm. Uh, I, I have a question for you. Do you know how to spell uh, the characters' names in the show? Oh, God, no. I mean, actually, it's really interesting. On the front of our scripts, they uh, write the names phonetically. <laughs> no, they actually do. It's like we get given our own glossary of this is how you pronounce everyone's name properly. Right. Because when I first got it, when I first read the script and I hadn't read the books, I was like, oh, Marjorie, I'm going to play Marjorie. What a lovely um, otherworldly name. And it was like, no, you're going to play Marge. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give you a test then. Can you spell your own character's name? Marjorie Tyrell. Yeah, I always, uh, it's the A's come first. It's, uh, it's M-A-R-G-A-E-R-Y. And then Tyrell is T-Y-R-E-L-L. Okay. What about... Because uh, I said for years, I was going, for the first few seasons, I was like, you know, a Brit would say Tyrell. And then it's I, to Morgan, and then I say Tyrell, but a lot of people on the show say Tyrell. <laughs> so it's you guys just kind of, meet it, and but then you know what? We all say people's names differently in real life anyway. So there's you it's go. Tr- it's true. Uh, do you want to give a go to uh, Daenerys Targaryen? It's just Danny, D-A-N-Y. <laughs> that's not fair. You can't do that. Yeah, that's, exa- that's <laughs> exactly how I do it. It's Danny. <laughs> okay, two more for you. 
Uh, Joffrey uh, Baratheon? Baratheon? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah Joffrey is J O F R E Y. And Barat, oh God, I need to write it B R B A R A T H E O N. Correct. And finish strong. This is kind of a little curveball. Uh, Nikolai Custer. Oh, Wilder? Nikolai spells his name with a J at the end. Yeah. yeah and then Costa Wilder is how it's uh, is written, how it sounds. There's a hyphen. That can throw you off. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a hyphen <laughs> in there as well. Guy's just a jerk that way. <laughs> Do we really need the hyphen in there too? Come on, man. Oh, I know. It's, you know, what can I say? He's Danish. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're tricks too. So, um... Are you happy with the kind of stuff that you are offered? I mean, are you finding you for are at a point where you're getting some choice and getting some opportunity that wasn't there a few years ago? Yeah, well, for me, absolutely. 2016 is, uh, you know, now that uh, my responsibilities towards the Hunger Games has ended, I have a little bit more of a blank canvas. Yeah. So it's interesting. I really haven't had the space with my commitments to Game of Thrones, uh, Hunger Games, Elementary, um, and some other projects that we fitted in. I haven't really had a lot of opportunity to be flicking wildly through scripts and yeah. being inundated with choice. So 2016 has finally given me some breathing space. And yeah, I mean, uh, at the beginning of next year, uh, I'm starting to shoot a thriller, a psychological thriller that I co-wrote with my partner, Anthony Byrne. Amazing. So I am sort of striking out in the fear factor of trying exciting, slightly terrifying new things. Well, so. that, that, that's exciting to hear. I'm curious, like, does that come out of like a need to like, 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 are inherently I've always written or, or is it, I, you know, I know how this industry works and you need to kind of generate your own material if you want to do, you know, cool work or a little bit of both or it's what? It's a little bit of both, yeah. but it's testament to how long, how damn long it takes to get independent film made that um, Anthony and I actually started writing that project six years ago. Oh, wow. So it was before Game of Thrones. It was before The Hunger Games. It was before I'd been on the, that wonderful um, mad franchise ride. Right. So, yes, I started writing a role with him or in fairness to him, he invited me to help him write a film that he was developing. Um, and um, it was to give myself a role that I thought I could really sink my teeth into and, right. uh, you know, test myself in my, in my acting craft. And then draft after draft after draft after draft after draft and finding producers and getting excited and landing casts and making sure that everyone's schedules align. Sure. Um, and yeah, at the same time, now being able to bring hopefully some audience with me who know me from those two big projects. So I'm really excited and I also get to sleep in my own bed because we're shooting it in London, which Perfect. is a novelty. A wise writer, wise yeah. co-writer. <laughs> so what are the things, whether it's in that specific script or other parts that haven't come your way that you're dying to kind of explore? that you haven't gotten a chance to kind of get into yet as an actress? Yeah, I just want, you know, some real heavy... I would love to... I just want to do some really heavy lifting in the acting stakes. That's what I want to do. I'm classically trained. I'm a theatre-trained actor. Right. So I kind of, you know, want to uh, really give myself a, a challenge in, uh, in the acting stakes. Who, who are, like, on your pedestal? Who are the acting icons? Whether Who's there's... right up there? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, there's a... Oof. I mean, even growing up, let's go growing up. Like, what were the movies or films or first performances that made you kind of sit up and say, oh, this well, is an art form, I, this is something I'm obsessed yeah, with? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, stuff like, I don't know, Girl Interrupted. I mean, I was 17 when Girl Interrupted came out. So, yeah. like, I was bang on the perfect, perfect age for that move, for to have to be deeply affected by that movie. Sure. And now I see performances now by, like, Charlize Theron in Mad Max. And, Amazing, You right? know, yeah. and, 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 you know, and... I'm a, I've always been a big Kate Blanchett fan. I've said that before in interviews. And um, 
Yeah, I just, and Julian, hell, I just worked with Julianne Moore, who was probably my biggest heroine ever. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a long list of women who I profoundly respect in the industry. And, and Julianne's like another one from, from what I've heard from people talking about her is like proof that it doesn't have to be torturous on set where she can, I, from what I gather, she kind of turns it on and off and is like the first one to laugh and enjoy herself. Yeah, absolutely. And she's a, she, and she's a, a mom and a, a wife and a family. I mean, that's how she fell in love with the Hunger Games series is because she was reading her daughter's book. Right. So she's like, she just, she's a really grounded human being. She seems to have got the balance between uh, work and, and, and life well it, it seems also like so in looking at the film work that you you know did for like a, a period of time it was like a lot of them were kind of like one or two scene kind of things mm -hmm. where you you frankly had like a function to play it seemed like mm -hmm. in the narrative and often they sometimes frankly they were kind of like the seductress right mm -hmm. did it feel like at that time it was like a frustrating period or an exciting period like were, were roles like the council or Captain America each I mean you're working with great directors there's that well that's the point I mean yeah. you're earning your stripes yeah I mean, that's what you're doing. You're earning your stripes. If you work in any industry, you know, you're going to start up, start off making the tea or yeah. taking the, 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 you know, taking the minutes in the meetings. I mean, you, you, you I mean, yes, there are those um, straight to fame um, examples, but they're few and far between. Yeah. And you have to understand that they're the anomaly. So you pay your, your dues, you shut up and you listen. And hell, like you said, I mean, I was bored of playing the femme fatale. I was like, I've done this enough. And then you get a call saying Ridley Scott right. wants you to play <laughs> the femme fatale in his new movie. And then you'd be an idiot to turn the opportunity of being on a set with Ridley Scott yeah. down. So you'll take a project for different reasons. You'll take it because you think it's a brilliant writer or it's a brilliant director or a brilliant producer or it's a, it's a member of the talent that you really want to work with. Right. And um, you just take each job on a case-by-case -case basis is really what I'm saying. Well, it's also, I think, a, a skill for an actor. I mean, as much as it's a skill to carry a film and be there from day one to the end, to fly in and out, basically, to kind of like keep the tone correct and to mm. stay within the narrative and, and to, you know, hit it out of the park as best you can in one or two moments. I mean, is that something that feels like, I mean, I'm always curious, is that like a high pressure kind of opportunity when you're on set for a couple days on a high profile project like that? And you know, like, I only got a couple swings at bat here. I better make it count. Uh, yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, you know, it's, uh, that's kind of makes it exciting. And sometimes when the pressure is on is when you perform the best, yeah. right? And when you step out on a stage, um, which was, is my, that, like, that's my first discipline. That's my first yeah. art form is stage acting. There is no second take. Right. So, uh... It's like you, you get an adrenaline. There's no warm-up act. It's no, just sort you of get like, an go. adrenaline rush yeah. from that moment. And, um, yeah, I mean, basically, you have, to, you have to rise to the moment. And you know what? You F up sometimes. You, you, and, and then you learn from that experience, yeah. you know? Have you, have you worked on the stage here in the States yet? No, I can't wait to find an opportunity to do so. I love New York and there's nothing I'd rather do than get on stage. I'm sure you're here. getting some opportunities. I'm sure stuff, something's going to come up here. Just need to and... find a window in the schedule, right, baby. Yeah, yeah. You're a little busy, a little busy. <laughs> so what, is, there, is there a dream kind of stage role? Oh, there's many, but I'm not going to say them out loud because I don't want to jinx them. Okay, okay. Uh, play musical, you sing, right? As I well. don't say. Oh you no! Don't? See, there you go. That's, that's internet. That, that's a piece of uh, misinformation on the internet. Wikipedia is never wrong, now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you don't sing. No, I dance. I was a dancer. Okay. So uh, I was a dancer until about seventeen. Um, 
But no, I do not sing. But you know, there's some, there's some musical roles where you don't have yeah. to have a really strong voice. So I would never say no. Yeah, let's not limit your opportunities. Out. Yeah, exactly. Please, yeah, okay, cabaret I saw last yeah, year. I mean, Sally doesn't need to be Sally the best singer. Sally doesn't need to be a great singer. Yeah. A little night music, there's a role in there that doesn't have to have a fantastic singer. Um, in it. So yeah, that, you know, never say never. Over the years um, in auditioning for things, are you the kind of actor that will pretend you have whatever talent is listed, whatever skill is listed oh, for the job? Oh, that's what you do when you leave drama school. You write, you know, skiing, horse riding, right. like, uh, <laughs> you know, archery. Oh, I, can, I, can, I can jump out of a plane, sure. Yeah, whatever you need. Yeah, you fall foul of that if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> are you, do you enjoy the auditioning process? Is that, you say that as an opportunity or hell on earth? Uh, it's, um, it, var it, it varies, it can be hell on earth. Um, but you know, I like to think, um, this is what, you know, what you, I was saying to you earlier about earning your stripes. I've walked into a fair few audition, um, rooms in my time and the best way to try and, it was, um, who was it? I think it was James Darcy that said to me once when I worked with him, he was like, you, when you walk into an audition room, he said, you have to think they've got a problem and you're the solution to their problem. So you just got to walk in and go, I am the solution to your problem. Yeah. And if you can't see that, that's your business. <laughs> I was like, that's a very grounded a very philosophical way, way yeah. of thinking. I'm about sure he it, went James. through hell for years before you arrived try. at that. <laughs> Do you have one flashback horror audition thing that, that reverberates in your brain to this day that you never want to relive? What's the worst scenario that you had to go through? Oh, yeah, it's when the director is in the meat in is eating or or, right. or you not know, even giving you any attention. You know, it's so. when they're halfway through lunch and they've seen twenty five actors in the last three hours, and you know they're distract they're checking their phone. I mean, you know, you can tell you can tell when they're not in it. Right, and these two minutes mean the most for you, and absolutely it seems nothing for them. Yeah, so I have so now I'm uh, in this interesting place within darkness of, you know, deciding on actors um, that we're going to work with in the movie. I have a lot of, you know, sympathy and empathy for that, for that process. And it's helped me realize that, you know what, it's not personal. It's yeah. just a subjective choice. And uh, it's all part of the, of the mechanics of it. It's not a personal rejection of, right. of your inner self, you right. know, it's like, but there have been times when I've gone you and poured that. myself a vodka yeah. at 2, 2 p.m. because an audition didn't go well, but those, those days are gone. So you're saying for the upcoming film, you're not going to be noshing too much while I won't be eating. Some... I won't be eating in, in the audition room when people come in, no. Um, directors in the, in the course of the careers thus far that you've learned from, is there one in particular that stands out just from how they ran a set or how they directed actors or? Oh, well, I mean, you know, I, Ron Howard and Ridley Scott and Francis Lawrence yeah. and you know I and Lassa Holstrom I mean I really have worked with some fantastic people and um uh, you just yeah you just you just shut up and you and you watch when you're around those kind of people right the ones that actually know what they're doing that's, exactly. a, that's a safety net that you must feel as an actor mm -hmm. you also had the opportunity correct me if I'm wrong you were in WE right the mm. directed by none that's where than, I met James Darcy yes. there you go um it must be a fascinating experience to be in that company it is Madonna. and I absolutely can't tell you anything about it because the confidentiality agreement was that thick is that and true? my business contract was that thick that's fascinating so I can't talk about it <laughs> wow interesting um you're also uh, should mention um we'll be seeing you relatively soon I think in patient zero mm. right September next year okay, so we got, we got not relatively close. <laughs> I know you were promoting it at Comic-Con. You would have so watched Game of Thrones by the time we're talking about Patient Zero. <laughs> Do I have to? I mean, I want to, but that's a lot of pressure. There are a lot of hours. If you watch Sopranos, I'll watch all of Game of Thrones. Okay, that's a deal. We'll meet in September. Okay, next September you have to watch Game of Thrones and I have to have watched Sopranos. Let's test each other. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> was that an enjoyable experience? What can you tell me about Patient Zero? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Matt Smith is a great actor, and I had a lot of fun with him. And Stefan Rudzovitsky is the director that won the Oscar for Counterfeiters many years ago. Oh, so... Okay. Um, it's going to be interesting, I think, having an art house director doing uh, very much a genre piece. I think that's a stroke of brilliance, to be honest. Are you obligated by birthright to care about Doctor Who in the company of Matt Smith? Or no, is that I, I'm, I'm actually one of those Philistine Brits that has never really been into Doctor Who, but I didn't tell Matt that. <laughs> I would add that to both of our lists because I've never watched Doctor Who. Oh, well, there you go. But that's like 30 years of TV. That's yeah, just, that's, you've got on. no chance there Please. in catching up in time before I next see you. Um, next time, uh, after this press tour is over, do you go back to Game of Thrones or a little rest? Or I've what's wrapped next? Game of Thrones okay. uh, season six personally. Okay. Um, I go to... Uh, Christmas shopping and then promoting the forest coming out January the eighth. There you go. Here, uh, I'm going to be in California for the for the the, uh, the big reveal of that on January eighth, and then home to London to start pre-production for In Darkness. Nice and um, uh, enjoying the the fall movies. So I saw you and I were both at the premiere for Joy last night. Both mm-hmm. enjoyed David O. Russell's uh, latest film. Um, it's a good time of year to enjoy some amazing directors doing their thing. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of David. Work, yeah. David's work. I think he's brilliant. Anything else this year that has resonated with you? Film I'm really year, looking for. I've got all my BAFTA screeners because I'm a BAFTA member. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm going to be rushing home to watch all my screeners. I'm very much looking forward to Bridge of Spies. That's and, a good one, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. And uh, You mentioned my favorite, Mad Max. I'm obsessed with that movie. Oh, yeah. It's so good. It's really well made. Um, congrats on The Forest. Uh, a long time coming and getting this kind of a vehicle for yourself. Well deserved. Thank you. Um, as I said, we've got a few months, but uh, we've both got some homework. Yes. <laughs> Who's got more episodes? I, think, I don't know. I don't know. I think I do. I think I got How the short end of the stick. How many seasons were there at The Sopranos? Anybody know? Six or seven, I feel like. Oh, you maybe I've are... got more to do then. Good. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Congratulations. Good luck. It's Good to see you, Natalie. Thank you very much. This has been a Wolf Pop production. Executive produced by Paul Shear, Adam Sachs, Chris Bannon, and Matt Gorley. For more information and content, visit wolfpop.com.